Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. It is May, a lot of planting done. Still some to go, though. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program, as well as markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Also today, we're going to be talking about taxes. You know, um, the president's proposing some big tax changes, including eliminating stepped-up bases. Last week, Secretary Vilsack said farmers' agriculture, for the most part, will be protected. We'll see if uh, everyone agrees with that. We'll talk with Pat Wolf, tax specialist with the American Farm Bureau Federation, about any concerns she has over the proposal. Also, lots to talk about with weather. DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson will join us, talk about a very active weather system moving across the country. He'll give us the very latest. So lots going on as we uh, get things going. Let's bring in now Spencer Chase, sitting in for Sarah Wyant from AgriPulse Communications. And Spencer, good to talk with you. How are you? You know, I'm doing good, Mike. Anytime, especially the last couple of days, that I can talk about something other than the quarterback situation for my Green Bay Packers, I welcome the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no drama there, right? Uh, ne- nothing going Not on all. there, all Not quiet. All. <laughs> kind of an ongoing soap opera there for you, for sure. All right, let's yeah, talk let's about talk these about tax proposals. Agriculture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing away with stepped-up bases. No controversy there, right? <laughs> no, none at all. And certainly no folks with a vested interest in that subject in, uh, in, in farm country. And uh, it's one of those things that we're still trying to get a little bit of a handle on in terms of the exact, uh, you know, the exact language that we're going to see. It's, it is important to recognize that what we have seen on this at this point is a few lines of an administrative proposal. Uh, legislative text has not been drawn up yet. Uh, there's still a lot of things that we're watching for coming out of this. But what we do know is that uh, you know if uh, if Congress acts on the Biden proposal as you know it is proposed, uh, that's going to mean some big big changes for farm countries. Potentially some folks looking to make some changes to their estate plans. Uh, but uh, you know I had the opportunity to speak with uh, with an accountant on uh, on Friday. Who basically said, you know, they're counseling their clients, you know, not necessarily to pull any triggers on on big decisions quite yet, but to be ready to, you know, should it come to that. You know, when I hear administration officials say it won't impact that many, that makes me think of what we used to hear when they were thinking about doing away with, you know, when that when they had the death tax and agriculture wanted its elimination, but. The, a lot of people said, oh, it doesn't affect that many. Well, if you're in whatever number that is that it does affect, <laughs> it, it's pretty significant. Well, and a lot of the rationale that they're offering for, you know, the exemption or, you know, the protection that they're looking to produce for farmers is that, you know, they, the elimination of the stepped-up basis really wouldn't kick in until somebody, you know, opts to sell that land. So if the land stays in the family, stays in farm production, you know, that's that level of protection that they're looking at providing. But you know, at a certain point, a lot of this land is going to get sold at some point or another. Um, you know, there are a lot of, you know, five, six, seven generation family farms out there. There's also a lot of one, two or three generation family farms. And, and that land didn't just come from nowhere. It had to get purchased at somewhere along the line. And so there is the potential for, you know, for some of this, uh, you know, some of those tax changes to accrue. 
and uh, basically kind of defer the penalty as opposed to, you know, taking it at a certain point in time. And so obviously a lot of the, you know, as with any agriculture and uh, tax policy, and especially when the two get combined, the devil is certainly going to be in the details. And a lot of folks on Capitol Hill are going to be scratching their heads about this for the next, you know, couple months as they try and figure out how to, again, translate an administrative policy proposal into legislative text. Yeah, may not impact you now, but it could later on. Uh, we're talking with Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. So a big push to get more uh, land into the Conservation Reserve Program. We want to get 4 million more acres. And the question I keep asking is, is there, are there 4 million acres out there that are so, you know, erodible or, you know, sensitive to erosion that they really need to go into that program? Or are we talking about taking some very productive acres out of land at a time with very high prices? Now, Secretary Vilsack points out, well, prices aren't always going to be high. We know they go up and down. This is more of a long-term option for landowners. How do you think that's going to play out? Well, I think, you know, and I had the chance to speak with somebody about this, and they suggested something that made a lot of sense to to me coming from the, the prairie pothole region. You know, there's a lot of fields out there that have, you know, 5, 10, 15-acre spots. They're, you know, low spots that will be planted during a dry year, and mm-hmm. they might be able to, to be worked on occasion. But if they're going to get 4 million acres, they're going to need to get some whole fields in, in a couple of different places. Uh, they, they've definitely got an uphill battle there as, as they try and, again, you mentioned the price component, and I think that's, you know, one of the biggest factors at play here is trying to figure out who is willing to take some land out of production. Um, you know, there probably are some acres out there that could stand to be enrolled in CRP. And we do know that, uh, you know, in recent years, and this dates back a little bit, but there have been a lot of producers that wanted in CRP and just couldn't because of, you know, the way that they were calculating the electronic benefits index. And, you know, we can get really in the weeds on that. But basically, they just couldn't get in the program because there wasn't room for them. Well, now they've got kind of the opposite program or opposite issue. So I guess we, we know that the interest in the program is there. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to translate that interest into, you know, actual signups, given the fact that we've got, you know, beans in the teens and corn north of, of $5 and $6, and then, you know, a lot of folks looking to, you know, perhaps make a little bit more money than they'll get out of a rental rate. Probably a lot of people saying, why didn't you come up with this offer when prices were low, right, when county prices were low? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it makes it a lot tougher sell right now. Um, speaking of cells, um, you're there in Washington, D.C. What's the feeling about electric vehicles? Is that city ready to just turn things over to electric vehicles? Well, I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of charging stations get installed over, over the last couple of, uh, <laughs> of months. But, no, I mean, I think, I think there's been uh, a lot of talk on Capitol Hill that, yeah, you know, they're, a switch to uh, EVs is something that a lot of folks would prefer and there are some folks that are willing to throw cold water on that on Capitol Hill. And, you know, there's, there's bipartisan uh, pushback on this. A lot of the folks, you know, from, mid, from the Midwest, you know, I've spoken in the last couple of weeks to folks like Julian Schmiler and Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota. They both take the approach that, okay, electric vehicles are all well and good. If you want to drive one, that's, that's your prerogative. But we probably need to pump our brakes on a, on a full-scale switch over the technology and you know, if I could just put a shameless plug in here, we'll on a podcast series right now that focuses on the biofuels sector. And uh, a lot of folks in that industry are, you know, a little bit concerned about that potential, but also making the point that, you know, if you're looking to decarbonize the fuel supply, we've got a technology here that can do that right now. Now, where that right now argument leaves them in 20 years, I mean, ask me in 25, it'll probably be able to give you a better answer. 
But, uh, you know, a lot of folks definitely keeping an eye on the EV conversation. Yep, you've got biofuels here right now. Let's get behind it. All right. Spencer, good to talk with you again. Take care. Pleasure as always, Mike. All right. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. Yeah, a lot going on with taxes, and we'll talk more about those later in the program. But up next, weather. Uh, Some stormy weather moving across the country. Certainly enough uh, moisture in places to slow down or stop planting for a while. How long is that going to last? What kind of pattern are we in? We'll talk with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. In your everyday business operations, there are endless things you can't control. Fuel prices don't have to be one of them. With the Average Price Contracting Program available at FS, we can provide you with a way to reduce the uncertainty of fluctuating fuel prices. It's a smart and convenient way for you to know what your fuel costs are going to be so that you can enjoy a little peace of mind. The Average Price Contracting Program at FS is just one more way that we can help take your business further. Contact your FS Energy Specialist today. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. 
For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. New week, new month. Let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, fair to say a pretty active system moving across the country? Oh, I think that's a real good way to describe it, Mike. Uh, There's been uh, a pretty uh, stormy set of conditions uh, from parts of the Central Plains all the way into the Midwest. Uh, We're seeing quite a bit of rain in the eastern Midwest today. Could be some uh, severe weather from about the Ohio Valley into the Delta the Mid-South before today is over with. And uh, then in the Western Plains, there's rain and maybe even a little snow in the Rockies in Colorado and uh, the High Plains right around Denver, Colorado. Uh, There was some locally heavy rain in parts of the Central Plains on Sunday. And uh, so, yeah, there's there's quite a bit happening. And um, this this coming week is going to bring a little bit more of it, uh, especially from, I would say, about uh, central Missouri on east and offering quite a bit of moisture, possibly delaying things as well in in terms of further planting. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of action over the last week. We know that. There might not be quite as much this coming week. Enough to help those really dry areas, or are they missing out again? They're getting bypassed uh, when you think about especially the, uh, the northern plains in western North Dakota and then north into the Canadian prairies. Uh, they're not going to get very much out of uh, what we see uh, with this uh, batch of rain during this coming week. I mean, quite a few um, corn and soybean areas are going to get anywhere from possibly one and a half to uh, three inches of rain or more, but uh, in the northern plains prairies, uh, hardly anything, uh, well less than a quarter of an inch, and um, the Texas Panhandle, especially south of Amarillo, and then south into the High Plains Cotton Country, and then continuing on uh, into the lower Rio Grande Valley, will also be pretty well skipped. And there's also another uh, primary grain area that I've been uh, watching pretty closely, uh, and that is the interior Pacific Northwest. Uh, where there's a lot of the soft white wheat uh, that is produced, that region is uh, still on the dry side as well. Uh, We are seeing uh, better chances for moisture in the uh, southwestern plains uh, winter wheat areas. Uh, Like I say, from Amarillo, Texas north, uh, there's going to be at least some uh, rainfall this week. And so the hard red winter wheat crop, soft red winter wheat crop, are getting along better, but the uh, spring wheat, and then the uh, white wheat are uh, having trouble in terms of really being able to uh, get the kind of moisture they need right now. And the Dakotas stay dry? Well, the Dakotas have a mixed bag. You know, like I said, western North Dakota is going to be left out of uh, the rainfall. Uh, In the eastern Dakotas, western Minnesota, northwest Iowa, northeast Nebraska, we'll see some uh, light precipitation, maybe locally moderate, I'd say, 
possibly a quarter to three quarters of an inch, maybe locally heavier. Uh, we are seeing a little bit more of a difference uh, in the northern plains uh, relative to, uh, you know, east to west, because the eastern half of the region has had uh, some some occurrences of moisture here lately to at least uh, kind of keep things from uh, slipping into a uh, more dire category. But, boy, the uh, western half of the region, especially west of the Missouri River, has just... Uh, you know, kind of been uh, passed over, passed by, uh, or hasn't even uh, gotten in on on any appreciable moisture to speak of. There, there are places that are under severe weather watches. Uh, we're talking about a lot of high wind and possibly hail. How widespread is that? Well, it, it's uh, you know, it's covering quite a bit of uh, the south central part of the country. I would say from Again, uh, the Ohio Valley for sure, uh, into parts of the Delta, uh, the Ozark Plateau, the Mid-South. Uh, that's where uh, we could see that, that real uh, severe weather outbreak, and, and that's where the uh, chances are highest over the next 24 hours. Uh, there, there could also be some scattered uh, storms of that uh, intensity from the Great, uh, as far north as the Great Lakes and then as far south as the lower Delta. Uh, with at least a uh, a slight chance, but uh, that that area that I mentioned is uh, certainly going to be in line to have uh, the higher risk of having that kind of intense uh, storminess develop. And then, you know, it, it's uh, been pretty interesting, uh, Mike. In parts of central Nebraska, there is flooding in effect in some of the river valleys after anywhere from two to five inches of rain that uh, formed over. Mm-hmm. The past uh, 24 hours. So, like I say, it's been, um, you know, there are some areas that have certainly had the moisture, and then, unfortunately, the drier areas, the real drier areas, just uh, sort of get, um, they don't even get put on the back burner uh, because uh, they hardly get anything out of uh, what's been, like I say, a pretty active uh, sequence here. And then on temperatures, looks like maybe some cooler temperatures this week. It is going to be uh, notably cooler. In fact, uh, it's going to be cool all the way through this coming weekend, uh, Mother's Day weekend, and through most of next week. Now, that's going to offer a a little bit of a two-way impact, I think, uh, because the cooler conditions are going to slow things down uh, for crop progress, of course, in areas that have been planted. And, by the way, we'll probably, like I say, have around 50% uh, planting uh, taken care of for corn uh, in the afternoon report today. But as uh, we're going to see some slowdowns in terms of uh, crop progress, and then in areas that do get the rainfall, cooler temperatures are going to slow down the uh, drying out of the ground, too. So that's uh, probably going to delay things a little bit. But like I say, there still has been uh, quite a bit of progress up to this point. So is this the trend for May, or is it the second half of May where we start the, the warm-up? Well, I, the uh, second half of May is going to be a little bit more seasonal. There's no doubt about that. And then we get into the summertime when forecasts are still showing quite a bit of um, a tendency for above-normal temperatures and below-normal precipitation. And obviously any kind of moisture that we get 
during uh, this time period is going to be, I think, uh, pretty well utilized. And uh, obviously, any anything that helps to build up uh, the soil moisture profile is going to be pretty well needed uh, because, like I say, this coming uh, summer season, uh, when you get uh, particularly west of the Wabash River in western Indiana, eastern Illinois, uh, you're looking at uh, near to below normal precipitation uh, with widespread above normal temperatures over the entire central part of the country. In fact, all but just the very, very northern edge of the continental U.S., for summer temperatures, and uh, you know that's uh, on the mind of everybody when you know when we think about how this growing season is going to play out by and large. So if you're dry now, and we talked about those areas that are, that really doesn't sound very optimistic for them going into what you're saying could be a hot, dry summer. No, it's not, and uh, that's where in uh, the most recent indications for uh, for drought development and for the drought outlook in general uh, those uh, those parts of the continental US northern plains uh, the far southwestern plains and then of course uh, from pretty much the the Rockies all the way west uh, drought is either expected to continue or develop uh, during the next uh, several months and um, there, that's uh, pretty well locked in, unfortunately, the way the forecast is playing out. I think uh, when we're at some of the farm shows this summer that we're looking forward to getting back to, you're going to have some interesting uh, conversations with uh, producers across the country. Well, there may be uh, a lot of stress indicated. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Sounds like it. All right. Bryce, always good to talk with you. Thank you. You're welcome, Mike. Catch you next week. You bet. Take care. DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Yeah, those dry areas, some of them just cannot get your break, cannot get, uh, well, a lot of precipitation is moving across the country again right now this week. As Bryce said, some of those dry areas staying dry, not getting much, if any, at all. All right, so uh, President's tax proposal included eliminating stepped-up bases. Secretary Vilsack says, though, most farmers and ranchers are protected. We're going to talk about that with tax specialist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, Pat Wolf. What does she think? We'll find out next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Join us every Tuesday for a Round the Table brought to you by CHS as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Did you know that biodiesel reduces carbon emissions by 74% on average? It's the best option available today for states and cities across America looking to immediately cut carbon emissions. It's an important contribution from America's farmers to meeting the nation's carbon reduction goals right now. That's why we say biodiesel is better, cleaner, now. 
Learn more by visiting BetterCleanerNow.com, brought to you by the National Biodiesel Board in partnership with soybean farmers and their checkoff program. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen with this market update. While the bullish surge in grain and soy markets continues here early on Monday with the new price limits now in place, promising to raise the already volatile futures trade. Corn limits expand to 40 cents, beans to a dollar per bushel, wheat to 45 cents, while CME again raised margins on Friday, making it more costly to play the futures game. Now, dry weather in Brazil, tightening stocks of corn, soybeans, and veg oils, as well as more China corn purchases being rumored. That is all driving the market gains here as we begin our week. Now, the current forecast for the U.S. calls for bands of showers coming across nearly all the corn belt this week. For those that have been worried about drought in the U.S., the forecast over the next two weeks is wetter than normal across the eastern two-thirds of the U.S., and that's something to look for as well. But right now, it seems that most of that focus is on the Brazilian uh, corn crop and the worries down there, and that is really playing into our market trade here with strength as we work through the day. Now, we are a little off of session highs here early on. Let's take a look at the numbers. May corn down 7 at 7.33. July corn up 7 at a quarter, 6.80 and a half. December corn up 4, 5.67 at three quarters. May soybeans down three and a quarter, fifteen sixty-seven and three quarters. July down one and a half, fifteen thirty-two and three quarters. November beans up seven and a half, thirteen forty-seven and a quarter. Bean meal for May down two thirty a ton, four twenty-three seventy. May bean oil up two hundred eighty-four points, seventy-one thirty. May Minneapolis wheat up one and three quarters, seven sixty-five. July Kansas City wheat down two and a half at seven oh one. July Chicago wheat down four and a quarter, seven thirty and a half. June live cattle down 45, 116.12. August down 22, 118.40. May feeder cattle down 35, 133.25. May hogs up 67, 110.80. June up 277, 112.50. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so the president's tax proposals have some in agriculture concerned. We're going to talk about that uh, today with Pat Wolf with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Pat, thank you for joining us. Glad to be with you. All right, let's start with the the kind of the promises of of farmers and ranchers being protected for the most part. 
uh, in this plan. I, I, I asked Secretary Vilsack about this on Friday. This is what he had to say. Well, Mike, as, uh, as you know, uh, stepped-up basis has been around for quite some time, and uh, there have always been concerns about it and about estate tax. The White House understood and appreciated uh, the unique situation that we find with farm families. Uh, it's a little bit different than a business. It's a little bit different than just about any other creature from a tax standpoint where many farmers are, are, as they say, out in the countryside, land rich and cash poor. Uh, and it makes it very difficult if they're faced with a large tax bill. Uh, White House listened uh, and first and foremost made no change in the estate tax or the gift tax. So uh, the, the rules and regulations for that, uh, which basically provide a, a great deal of opportunity to, to uh, transfer uh, farms uh, unchanged. Uh, and at this point in time, very, very, very few farms, have, they have to be very, very large before an estate tax is assessed. Uh, on the stepped-up basis, the folks understood that if the farm stays in the family and it continues to be operated, uh, there is no uh, tax due. Uh, the stepped-up basis doesn't get triggered. Uh, the capital gains doesn't get triggered. Uh, if, by chance, uh, the farmer uh, and spouse decide to sell the farm, then there would be a, a $2 million uh, exemption, each individual having a $1 million. There's also a $500,000 exemption if the farm uh, house, if the homestead, is located on the farm, so up to two and a half million dollars of of gain is not subject to tax, uh, and that covers about ninety eight point five percent of the farming operations in the country today. The ones that aren't covered are, are the ones that would be owned by folks like Bill Gates and uh, the, the very, 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 very wealthy folks. Uh, if they have to pay the tax, then there is a fifteen year period in which they can pay the tax back um, at a very low interest rate. All right, Pat Wolf, what are your thoughts on that? It sounds, he makes it sound like for most farmers, this isn't going to be an issue. What do you think? Well, the secretary's right that uh, farmers are land rich, cash poor, and that's why any tax imposed at death uh, is problematic. It's because uh, farmers and ranchers don't have cash in the bank to pay the tax they uh, have to sell, or they have to do something, take out a loan, which is not good uh, either to pay the tax. Uh, now, the American Families Plan that was put out last week has three increases in capital gains taxes in it. Uh, one is the rate. Uh, the rate would uh, almost double for, high, for people over a certain threshold. Uh, the second capital gains tax increase is uh, doing away with like-kind exchanges. Uh, that's allowing farmers to to sell one asset and buy a new sat asset, like sell a piece of land, buy a piece of land, and defer the tax. And then the third is this new proposed uh, capital gains tax at death. And uh, yes, uh, we are very grateful that the administration has recognized that farms are different and uh, need some help. But there's a lot of, uh, there's more questions than there are answers about how that would work. Um, and so um, we can't say for sure that this is a good deal for farmers and ranchers, and we're very worried that the rules that would come along with the targeted program uh, might not uh, work for a lot of people. Yeah, it sounds like maybe you'd be okay if you don't ever want to sell the land, but what happens if you do? Well, and, and there's lots of complications because just think about a farmer who has three children uh, and the farm, one of the children wants to farm and the other two don't. Well, the two that don't aren't 
continuing in the family business, uh, do they pay the tax under some existing um, uh, special provisions now for farmers and ranchers? They they wouldn't qualify. So, uh, yes, there's there's all kind of complications. And uh, is there going to be a time factor involved? You have to stay farming for a certain number of years and you know, if something happens and that's not possible, will, will there be a payback where you have to pay it back? Uh, there's just uh, so many questions uh, that until we actually see uh, legislation from Congress, and we have to remember that it's Congress that's going to write this bill, uh, not the administration. Uh, it's just very, very scary. There's so many uh, ifs, ands, and buts. We're talking with... American Farm Bureau Federation tax specialist, Pat Wolf. And, and there, I think, is a key, what you said, Pat, about Congress that will write this. And even um, Democratic members of Congress, those in farm country, I'm sure they're going to hear from constituents these concerns you've you've brought up. Well, there's certainly uh, a great deal of concern about this in farm country. Uh, we have had a... We monitor calls going into Washington through our uh, grassroots system, and we've had a record number of farmers and ranchers call their members of Congress saying how concerned they are about a new capital gains tax at death. Hmm. So say that again. You've had a record number of, of callers concerned about this tax proposal. Is that what you're saying? Concerned about capital gains tax, a new capital gains tax at death. Now, um, that those calls going into Washington uh, started before uh, the rollout of the American uh, Families Plan. So uh, those calls are just saying that if you impose a new capital gains tax at death on farmers, we're worried uh, that the details of the plan uh, still aren't known and aren't part of, mm-hmm. part of that fear that's driving those uh, calls into Washington. And are you getting those calls at American Farm Bureau, or are those going to, to members of Congress? They're going to Congress. These are calls from farmers to members of Congress through our uh, grassroots contact system. Mm-hmm. So... As you said, there are more questions than answers, and it'll be up to Congress to sort through that. How long a process do you see that being? Well, the predictions are that, well, I shouldn't say the predictions. The Speaker has said uh, that she wants a bill through the House by July 4th. Uh, And then that would turn action in the Senate um, into July and possibly into the fall. Uh, Most people are thinking that with a bill that uh, proposes to spend trillions of dollars and impose um, a lot of new taxes because there's, it's not just farmers that are being taxed by this uh, new proposal, that uh, it'll take to the end of the year before anything can actually uh, happen, be passed. But for something this major, that's fairly quick if it happens that fast for Congress to act because they can take a really long time on, on some things. And certainly uh, with the president proposing all this spending, this is the pay, part of the pay for. So, you know, there's a certain amount of uh, urgency on uh, the administration's part. They want to get this done. 
Well, the bill would most likely pass uh, using budget reconciliation. Uh, and so that does have a, a date. I mean, you can't go into, well, I guess you could if you put things off. But uh, using budget reconciliation, that speeds things up. It, it uh, means that things should happen um, when the budget is being written. So that puts some fire under people to get things done. But uh, there is a... There is a there are a lot of people that are in a hurry to get this done. Yep. Hmm. Well, you know, so the good news is it's not the death tax issue that we've talked so much about over the years, but the bad news is it's a, it's the stepped up basis, it's the capital gains tax. Right, and it is a new tax at death. So now there would be two taxes at death. Um, there would be the estate tax at death, and there would be capital gains tax at death, and then it. Uh, I guess it all comes down to where do you draw the exemption levels and uh, can you protect certain groups of people? And those are the things we don't know right now. Yeah, you mentioned the exemption level and you're saying that uh, what they're talking about as far as a $1 million per person exemption from the tax, that's not adequate for agriculture. Well, uh, we know that USDA is is saying that a large percentage of uh, farms and ranches would be protected, but uh, we don't know how they got to those numbers. Part of the unknown, right, that we're still waiting for answers for. We're waiting for a lot of details, a lot of details, yep. Very important details for sure. Pat, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, uh, kind of putting this all in perspective and what we need to watch for as this plays out. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Bye. All right. Pat Wolf, tax specialist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So, uh, you know, Secretary Vilsack uh, urging calm and assurance that agriculture is going to be taken care of. But as you heard her say, Congress is receiving a record number of calls from farmers concerned about uh, the capital gains tax at death, an increase in the capital gains tax at death. So obviously there is concern out there with these proposals, but they are proposals at this point. We wait and see what the details will be as Congress gets around to uh, writing this tax legislation. All right, up next, we're going to talk weather conditions, where we're at with planting, where these markets are and going. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net joins us next on AOA. Stay with us. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, 
so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, the date of April 27th had been circled on a lot of calendars for some time now. That was the day for the big Supreme Court hearing on the waiver issue for the renewable fuel standard. Well, we had an interesting session before the Supreme Court as justices had some hard questions, a hard line of questioning for both sides, both the refiners and the biofuels industry. Here to talk about it is Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, what was your takeaway? There seemed to be a good understanding that the law is very clear that this exemption was meant to be temporary for small refiners, and the law does not allow EPA to extend exemptions that have lapsed. So, You can't extend something that doesn't exist, and there did seem to be a good recognition and appreciation of that argument. This program was was always meant to funnel down the number of small refineries that are exempt from these requirements year by year. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained, and that's what you'll get with an FS Crop Specialist. They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan started. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of the topic and giving you the information you need to know. 
Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you a guest important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk weather, planting, and markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. He's in East Central Illinois. How does uh, thing, how do things look there, Matt? How much rain are you getting? Uh, we didn't really get a lot of rain on the overnight. I mean, I don't know, two to three tenths maybe. Uh, you know, it's it's been uh, uh, pretty good, though. Last week we got a nice inch of rain on most of what we farm. It came right. We didn't really have any big downpours, so we weren't too worried about, you know, some of the emergence on the stuff that we finished up on the previous weekend. But uh, we feel pretty good about where we're at. Uh, still probably on the dry side, I guess, going into into the uh, growing season. You know, you'd like to see maybe a little more subsoil moisture than what we have. But for the time being, we're sitting pretty good. Far along our farmers. What'd you say now, Mike? So how far along are our pl- farmers in your area on planting? Are they done? Close to done? Most lot, of them? Yeah, a lot of them's done. You know, uh, we got done a week ago. That uh, uh, there's a lot of folks that are either done or getting close to being done. And so, uh, for the most part, I'd say uh, we're really far along. Uh, I think most people feel like they they shouldn't have to redo much. Uh, certainly, don't have any pawning issues this spring like we have the last several years, but. Uh, uh, we feel pretty good about where we're at, and I'd say, you know, we're at least 80% done as, as an area. Pretty good emergence so far? Good stands? Yeah, I would say the emergence has been pretty darn good. Uh, stands have been good. Uh, you know, we really haven't had any beating rains. Uh, obviously, the cold has been the biggest concern from a weather standpoint, uh, but the ground is working like a dream, no doubt. So your seed to soil contact this year has been uh, primo indeed and so uh, really overall I would say uh, even though it's been a little chilly it's been almost an ideal spring uh, for a lot of producers to be able to get out there and go uh, we have had threats of a couple of big weather events but they didn't really materialize and so uh, you know those that pushed the envelope right up to when it was supposed to rain actually got uh, fairly lucky in that it really didn't rain much so it's been pretty good so far I think that uh, our stands are going to be awfully good and we're going to be sitting really good uh, you know at least heading in summer weather yep so far so good and especially when you got uh, these kind of prices that uh, they're looking at on the board and asking about uh, how much do we sell now or how much do we wait and see if it's going to go much higher yeah, I think this is where we get into some issues sometimes, Mike. Uh, um, you know, as far as these prices are concerned, you're looking at 565 corn on the board, uh, November beans at 1344 as we speak. You know, and, and so uh, producers' uh, typical conversation with me right now is, yeah, I don't know if I want to sell too much, uh, you know, because I'm worried that uh, it, it might go on up. And, and I understand that, but, you know, we got to remember what we were doing a year ago. And a year ago, we were hoping that we might get a miracle rally to $4 corn. And, uh, you know, right now we're sitting uh, $2 above the price levels we were looking at then. So, you know, we have to think, you know, what kind of risk do I want to take off the table? Uh, what do I want to do with uh, prices that are so much higher than what we saw before? I know we're a little bit dry. 
uh, in, in a lot of the Corn Belt. And I know there's folks that are comparing this year to 2012. I mean, that's the way our groundwork this spring, Mike, is, is just like 2012. So I do understand uh, that there are some similarities, but at the same time, uh, do you want to uh, let it all ride at these types of profit margins? And I would say most producers would be well served to at least uh, look very closely at what the profit margins would look like if they would uh, at least get 25, 30% sold, you know, and, uh, you know, if they've got crop insurance, you know, use those insured bushels in their favor. I've seen you on social media asking questions of farmers about, uh, you know, their pricing strategy, how they feel about, you know, where to where to buy, where to sell, you know, where they're hanging on or what are they shooting for as far as a level? What what are you hearing on that? Yeah, I think a lot of producers are, are telling uh, telling us that, you know, they, they want to get at least a portion of stuff sold, you know, but they still feel like we're going to get to six or six fifty. Uh, as far as these corn goes, especially if the weather in South America stays as is. So I think that it, uh, you know, typically you get some sort of a weather market. I think that's what most producers are. They're looking at the market today and saying, what would a, what would a weather market look like on top of what we already have? But you got to be careful with that thinking because uh, we've seen before where, uh, you know, you get into the June time frame and you just don't really ever get a good weather market to materialize. Typically we do, but it happens that we don't occasionally. And so uh, we have to be cautious there. Uh, yeah, a lot of things, a lot of people think we're going to 650. A lot of people think that we could still see seven, um, you know, as far as new crop prices go, uh, as producers are concerned. But I, right now, I think the best thing to do is to at least quantify some worst case scenarios and leave yourself some flexibility to participate if the market goes on up. So you can do that either with a put option or uh, just simply selling some corn and, you know, and buying some calls out there in the summertime frame that way you can participate if this thing does get crazy or <laughs> yeah uh, yeah a weather market you're kind of banking on it being so bad everywhere else that the price goes way up but somehow your crop's going to be good enough to take advantage of it yeah absolutely i mean every producer in the country wants uh you know wants there to be a drought as long as it's not on their farm you know but you got to be careful yeah. to sell you know for instance 40 or 50 percent of a crop like we did in 2012, you know, and then, you know, let's say that you're the one person that uh, that doesn't raise it. Uh, uh, you don't want to have all that sold, uh, especially if the market keeps going up. Now, I know if everyone else raises the crop, you would assume that the market's going to back off, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case if South America stays dry. So uh, I guess uh, my, my best advice is that if you're going to get more aggressive than maybe, oh, I don't know, 25 to 30% of your APH, then make sure it's in a flexible situation where you don't get strangled if this market continues to go up or uh, you don't raise the bushels. Yeah, and now we have expanded limits. Could get even wilder, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if you come in here and let's just say something crazy uh, happens, like maybe the government sometime this summer says, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, this has been extremely hard on livestock producers. And it has. I understand that. We're going to have to curb our thinking on biofuels and, uh, you know, maybe uh, how we're going to approach that moving forward. You know, just, just talking about something like that, Mike, would probably uh, show those expanded limits. Uh, those things would rear yep. their ugly head to the downside, and you know you got to you got to understand what those uh, black swan events can do, especially with forty cents and a dollar on the line each day. That those uh, things can work both ways in these wild swings. Have to be careful. Thanks, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net. Thanks for joining us on AOA. 
Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.